Welcome everybody to episode five of Down to the Minute podcast. As usual, I'm your host Max Williams, and back with my co-host here, my boy Ayers. Ayers, how you doing? I'm excited to be back, Max. Man, I love coming here to do Down to the Minute. Excited to discuss what's been going on in recent events lately, just because the sports world has been turned upside down, and I'm ready to just get down to it as usual. And yeah, we usually have another co-host as well. His name is James Russell, but unfortunately, he had car issues this time around. Hopefully, his car's okay, and hopefully, it will be back for next week's show when we do it back here every Tuesday at 6 o'clock. And again, in his place, though, tonight is a great middle linebacker, converted middle linebacker. Probably going to figure it out. Two running back now, and his name is Kevin Staffney. Staffney, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here, and I'm excited just to talk about sports, you know, and everything that's been going on. In the sports world. Absolutely. Like we said, it's it's been craziness. And how, how the show is going to go for today, we're going to start with the men's and women's March Madness. Then we're going to talk about NFL free agency. And then, as usual, our staple, our one-minute takes. We will all decide what we feel like is on our mind in one minute. And then we'll do is I'll talk about MOB, what's going on opening day, coming up in two days. So see how that happens. Then we're going to talk about Avalon Athletics, of course, talking about our softball and baseball teams, and then rounding it out with our – crazy mystery topic what will that be we will tell you later in the show but to start it off guys we are going to talk about the men's final four now and granted craziness has been happening right looking at it at the elite eight right san diego state beat Crichton 57 to 56 and san diego state is a five seed Crichton is a six seed and then florida atlantic yes florida atlantic everybody beat kansas state 79 to 76 and Grant, that was a big upset. They've been doing upset after upset, guys. And then obviously Miami, Florida versus Texas. And granted, me and Ayers went to that game in Kansas City. And man, we got a lot to talk about that about that game specifically for sure. And then Connecticut and then Gonzaga as UConn destroyed Gonzaga in the lead eight game as they are in the final four. So Ayers, man, I'm gonna start with you, man. What I mean, it's been already crazy March Madness so far for the men's side, but kind of just give me your thoughts about it. All right, two weeks. Two straight games of crazy basketball that you and I have both been to with the Rockets and now with, you know, Miami versus Texas. To straight up put it, Texas lost inexcusable. They let their foot off the gas, blew a 12-point lead. Now, I feel terrible for them because what was number five's name for Texas? Five's name, I believe that was uh, Allen, I believe. I believe it was Allen. I'm going to take a look at the roster since you just said that. Go ahead, though. Keep going talking. Yeah, so basically it's kind of sad because he was the one who was li- really leading Texas to that huge lead in the first half. But in the second half, he is the main reason they lost the game. Just too many three-pointers that weren't falling. He's sitting here in the middle of, like, mid-court jump shots, shooting contested shots with three defenders on That's him. Marcus like, Carr. Yes, Marcus Carr. Carr. <clears throat> yes, Marcus Carr. Yes, Marcus Carr. It's like he was performing for them miraculously in the first half. Second half just completely fell off. I'm sorry, but he's kind of the main reason they lost the game. Too many contested three-pointers. And then I also blame Texas defense. They got they let Miami do what they aren't supposed to do, which is get happy in the perimeter. But don't get me wrong. I do think there were some questionable foul calls that didn't go Texas's way. But straight up, inexcusable loss. And Miami, they wanted it more to blow a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter. That shows that you just weren't meant to make it. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, right, Miami, in the first game they played against Houston, Nigel Pack was the guy, right? Nigel Pack actually was 6-7 from three-point range against Houston. And again, didn't have the performance that he wanted to against 
uh, Texas, but still, looking at it, some of the players, I mean, Jordan Miller was perfect from the field. Actually, from the free throw line and the and just the court itself. That is incredible. You usually don't see that that often in basketball. And then, obviously, again, another big player, Norchad Omir. Big, big guy. That He's a big guy that makes a lot of plays for Miami. And, again, Isaiah Wong, another one of the leaders, was the ACC Player of the Year. And, again, he showed out for sure for the Hurricanes. But, I mean, I agree with you, Ayers. Texas, they had, they had it in the back. I mean, they were up by 12, guys, literally with about basically 12 minutes to go. And then all of a sudden, I think really what changed it was when um, he threw it off the back. To, uh, what was it? The, one of the players from Miami hit it off the back of Timmy Allen, and then all of a sudden the rally started to go for Miami, which is crazy because you would think, really, no one's paying attention, right? We're playing defense, whatever. But I don't know. It's, it's tough. I mean, another one that I'm going to go over is this FAU versus uh, Kansas State game. I mean, I got to give FAU – I mean, this team – They've come all craziness. They beat FDU. Speaking of that, beat Purdue earlier we talked about. And then, I mean, they beat another great team in Memphis as well, which I thought Memphis was going to make a run in the tourney when I picked them. Um, but looking at it, I mean, Florida Atlantic, they're shooting well. John L. Davis is playing well from the point guard position, and they got great three-point shooters as well. And I think that's something you just got to watch with Florida Atlantic. And I think they could beat San Diego State. I, I might be calling it. It's tough, but I could see it happen. So, Staffy, man, I know we're going to give you the floor just – what are your thoughts so far of this crazy March Madness going on for the men's side? It's been crazy. Um, just the underdog teams and, you know, every, these teams, they just, you know, been, been those dudes, been those guys and everything. Because, like I said, we thought Bama was going to make it all the way and, and everything. But, you know, it, crazy how basketball works. Like, it ain't – it's nothing, nothing like football. Oh, know? yeah. Nothing like <laughs> football. Um, you know, you can be the smallest team out there, like FDU, you know, even though they lost. But, you know, you can be small like them and still beat Purdue and everything. And like I said, it's just been crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, one other team I'll go over real quick before I go to the women's side. I mean, UConn, out of all the games they've played, they are the most consistent team playing right now. I mean, they've beaten teams by 30 and 40 points in almost every matchup they play. And that's that's to me, is crazy just to watch and everything. So... I think UConn, out of all these teams right now, is the favorite to win on the men's side. I really do. And I think, I mean, Miami's going to give them a challenge. I think so. But I think UConn is just how they're playing is just on another level. So that, to me, will wrap up there the men's side. And now, listen, we're going to the women's side, guys. Again, maybe not as crazy as the men's side, right? We have actually right now Iowa and South Carolina are going to play in uh, the Final Four matchup in the, one of the sides, and then LSU and Virginia Tech are going to play in the other one. I mean, I'm just going to mention this. Iowa-South Carolina might be even a championship preview more than um, LSU-Virginia Tech. Because if you look at it, right, South Carolina, I mean, they've just been consistent, right? They've been the dominant team coming at it. Aaliyah Boston is playing well. Zaya Cook is playing well from the point guard position. But Caitlin Clark, guys, I, I mean – I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm being serious. Like, she is on another level with how she's playing. And I, I said this before on my show Crunch Time I do with Kruk, and then I also do it now with my boy Ayers, right? Caitlin Clark is the female version of Steph Curry, literally. I mean, how she's playing, the value she tears about her teammates, how she passes the ball. And I think also she's changing people to keep an eye on college basketball in a branding perspective. What I mean by this is people are trying to gravitate towards Caitlin Clark. They're gravitating towards women's basketball, which is a great thing to know. And I think that's what Caitlin Clark is bringing to the game. And 
I'm not going to lie to you. I think Iowa could possibly upset South Carolina. It could, but South Carolina is a talented team for sure. We cannot deny that. And then quickly, what I think with this LSU-Virginia Tech matchup, Virginia Tech is a, not a bad team. I think they're still one of the underrated one seeds left in this tournament. I think, um, what was it? I think, Art, I think I believe it's Ardmore, I believe, um, played well Virginia Tech against Ohio State in that matchup in the Elite Eight. And I think that was very talented. And then LSU, I mean, they played well against Miami, a team that also was there in the Elite Eight, both on the women's and on the men's side. Fortunately, they lost. Um, so I think really LSU could be Virginia Tech. It's, it's very close to me. So I'm going to go with you first, Staffney, then you, Ayers. Staffney, kind of what do you think about the women's side of the bracket? I'm excited that there's two SEC teams in there because I'm from the South. And, you know, just watching those two teams, you know, be in the Final Four is, is pretty cool. And, um, you know, I, I feel that Iowa could upset South Carolina. You know, I would love for it to be a, an SEC on SEC matchup mm -hmm. in, a, in a in a championship game, but I I see I see LSU versus versus Iowa in a championship game. What about you, Ayers? I mean, it, it's again, it's all kind of just more chalk more on the women's side than the men's side. Okay, first, Kaitlyn Clark has been out of this world. Forty-one points in her last game. You know, but I personally think there is a good chance that we have a possible rematch between. LSU and South Carolina, but what I am going to say on South Carolina, if they don't stop Caitlin Clark, it will definitely be Iowa versus LSU. That's my projected championship game. Now, I'll say Alexis Morris and LSU's last game against Miami, she played well, put up 21 points. That's the type of production they need out of her to make it to the championship. Don't get me wrong, Virginia Tech is a one seed. I respect them, but I do think between them and LSU, LSU is the more talented team. But if somehow South Carolina ends up against LSU again, I do think the talent gap between both programs is too large. South Carolina managed to prove that last time. But I do think Iowa is going to pull off the upset if Caitlin Clark plays at the elite level that she's been at. I say if she manages to put up 30, they're definitely in, and then we're going to be in for an exciting championship game. Now, don't get me wrong, between Clark, I mean, yeah, between Iowa and LSU, I do think Iowa has the edge over them just barely. But that should be a game that, if that's the championship matchup, it should go down to the wire. Yeah, I, I, that's why I predict that game is going to be probably the best game, probably even more on the men's and women's side. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think it's just both teams are just playing at that type of level. I mean, I even predicted Iowa could even win it all when coming into this bracket for the women's side. I just thought just how they were playing, even without Kaylin Clark, they got great shooters around. I mean, uh, I believe her name is Marshall. She can shoot the three ball like crazy for Iowa. And they got a great big post inside that can make a lot of plays for the Hawkeyes as well. And, I mean, I, I agree with you, staff. It's good for the SEC to have two teams there at the bottom because both the SEC and Big Ten and women's basketball are kind of the powerhouses. And if you look at it for on the men's side, usually it's the Big 12 and maybe the Big 10, maybe some SEC. Because that's usually what it is on the men's side. is Kansas, Baylor. I mean, the Big 12 and the men's was incredible. I mean, they almost had every team go into the bracket basically this season. So I think that's very cool just to watch. And I – Granted, I think looking at it, I'm going to pick South Carolina. and It's going to be South Carolina. I'm going to pick Virginia Tech. I think, I, think, I think LSU is a talented team, but there's just something about Virginia Tech. When they play to another certain level, that they can beat LSU. And LSU, I mean, they can shoot the ball very well, but I think problem is, is that with Virginia Tech, they got great balance as well with their defense too. 
And for the men's side, I kind of talked about it. I mean, I'll get your predictions real quick before we move on. I'm going to say San Diego State and UConn. I just think that's just going to happen. I think FAU is going to give San Diego State some top, like a big challenge. And Miami is going to give them a challenge too. I think Miami is still not a bad, talented team overall. But I think UConn is going to find a way, and I think they might win it all for in that side of the bracket. What about you, Ayers, for both sides, women's and men's? Who do you think is going to win it all? Well, <laughs> first, you know, just the consistency of UConn in both men's and women's, that is a program that I have a lot of respect for in terms of basketball. Football is another story, but, you know, basketball, you know, every season they're going to show up. So that is really my number one projection to the win it all as well. But I will say with the miracle run FAU's been on, I can't really put them out of there. I just don't see San Diego State making a run for the championship on a serious note like I think they're finally about to run out of luck, to be honest. But, you know, FAU, <laughs> man, you know, two Florida teams made it to the Final Four. Both should be excited for the state of Florida because no matter what, they should be getting a team in the championship. So that's a good opportunity for the state of Florida. But, you know, I say FAU or UConn are my two projections to win. And now I can't really count out Miami because of the comeback they have. But I feel like if they have the start that they had against Texas, they will get swept easily. What about you, staff? What do you think for both women's and men's? I have um, I have Iowa winning for the uh, women's, and for the men's, I have Florida Atlantic. Wow, kind of two the different luck. picks. Yeah, <laughs> kind of just explain why, why is that? Um, let's say Florida Atlantic. They they had a great they they've been on a they've been on a great run, and um, like uh, like like Air said, um, Miami started off terrible, and um, you know, I feel like you kind of sweep them, and um. You know, it'd be UConn versus Florida Atlantic, but I feel like, say, Florida Atlantic will, you know, finish them off and get them a dub and everything. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think both of the – I mean, I mean, Iowa's going to be a challenge, right, because, again, they just got that presence. And, again, I think Florida Atlantic is that team. But even though we love March Madness, man, it gets us all excited, we got to move on to NFL free agency, boys. Listen, there's still – even though free agency's kind of dying down a little bit, there's still some interesting things happening. I, I'm going to start with you, Ayers. Kind of just get us caught up a little bit with some different free agency news. Okay, <clears throat> first, if I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, I'm about to throw up. Lamar just made that huge post on – Twitter and his other social medias, I believe it was yesterday or day before, kind of letting the world know that he requested a trade from the Ravens March 2nd, and he just doesn't intend on being there long term. Now, granted, the Ravens are allowed to match any offer that Lamar gets, but and if they don't, they just can give up. They're able to receive two first-round picks, I believe, but it's just like, man, I can't believe Baltimore failed to resign him, man. Like, that's unbelievable. You know, I I seen a lot of fans. Oh, you know, he promised us a Super Bowl. Guess what? How you going to win a Super Bowl when you don't have a true number one wide receiver? The closest thing he's had to that is Hollywood Brown and nothing personal to Hollywood. We've seen how he's panned out so far. It's not terrible, but he's not a number one wide receiver. He's a guy I kind of view as a true number two opposed to a one. But, you know, I think Atlanta, even though I'm pretty sure New York has a good chance of getting Aaron Rodgers, if that deal doesn't work out, they need to still have Lamar Jackson in mind. But with Atlanta, they have so much cap space to work with that they seriously need to have Lamar Jackson as their number one priority. They haven't had any consistency at quarterback like, don't get me wrong, Matt Ryan was a good quarterback, but I don't think Matt Ryan compares to what Mike Vick did to them, for them as a franchise. 
It's like you get a second chance at another Mike Vick type quarterback who can win you games. And you have a decent receiving core and and upcoming tight end. Like, you know, Kyle Pitts was a little underwhelming last year, but that's not to his own fault. Just not enough consistency at quarterback. Like Marcus Mariota is the guy and Desmond Ritter are the two guys throwing the ball at you. So Kyle Pitts, I think if he gets a consistent quarterback, you know, Lamar loves his tight ends. He throw to Andrew, you know, Mark Andrews every play almost. So it's like Atlanta, y'all need to figure out how to get him, bro. Y'all got the cap space for it. Give him the money he asking for and chase the bag and become a contender. That's all for me. What do you think, Staff? I mean, since we're getting, I guess, on the topic of Lamar Jackson, just kind of where do you think the team that Lamar should go to here? With me being a Ravens fan, you know, I'm like, come on, Lamar. But, um, you know, I see where Lamar is coming from and everything, and I feel that um, Atlanta would be the best fit for him. Like, like Harris said, you know, he, he threw to Andrews pretty much every play. Either it was either the read option or like tossed or tossed it to uh, Andrews. And, um, I feel like Kyle Pitts, you know, he's a great playmaker. You know, he was a great playmaker at Florida as well. And, um, you know, him and Lamar, I feel like that'd be a great duo and, you know, just get the ball out to him and just let, let Pitts do his thing. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at it for Lamar, right, I, I kind of like the idea of him going to possibly Atlanta. It makes sense. It's got the pieces. Cause, but I'm thinking he's going to Indianapolis. I just think there's something about Indianapolis Colts that they need to change something right now. I'm being No, I think it really is. They need to change something. They, they don't really got a quarterback on their roster. They don't. I mean, Gardner Minshew is there, but he's been in like an on-and-off quarterback the entire year. I mean, you also got Sam Elliger there, and I think Sam Elliger is, you know, a decent. Uh, he's, I don't think he's, he's that quarterback. He's a UT quarterback. quarterback. I yeah, have confidence in him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but the Colts are a team that's interesting because they're a team that wants to compete in that league. The whole AFC South is still wide open, guys. I mean, we saw the Titans last year fold a couple games last year, and they fell like six or seven games below. And they had Derrick Henry on their team, too. And so the Colts, with Jonathan Taylor, with Michael Pittman, and they still got a great tight end. Speaking of when you said a tight ends, right? They have a great tight end down there as well. I think that could be a, an option to go to. I mean, I also, I like think for Lamar, I think it was good that he got out of Baltimore. Because there was already signs, even before last season, that they were not paying Lamar the money that he wanted to. And granted, he was already on the franchise tag because he was supposed to get the deal last year. But he never got the deal last year because of something else changed. And so... I think that's something for Lamar. It's, it's a great option. I mean, looking at another one, my Bengals just got Irv Smith Jr. That was a great tight end from the Vikings. That's a big-time pickup after losing Hayden Hurst, so they're trying to figure out that kind of thing for the Bengals. Um, I think – I mean, there's not really that much of change, but looking at it, I mean, some of the teams that have done absolutely incredible there in free agency, I mean, I got to give it to um, the – what is the Oakland – the Las Vegas Raiders. I think them getting Jimmy Garoppolo is an interesting pickup for them after losing Derek Carr. They got a great couple of tight ends after losing um, Darren Waller with O.J. Howard and Austin Hooper. Um, I think they also they re-signed John Jacobs again to another contract. That's big for them too. I think for the Raiders, they know they got to compete. I mean, you, you, you know the Chiefs are going to be there. The Broncos, they've been on and off with now getting Sean Payton. We don't know what that team's going to be like. Um, and, you know, I think... The Chargers, they're an on and off team. They can be good. They cannot be good. So that's the thing about the Chargers. So I don't know, man. There's a lot of things we could talk about with free agency. I mean, you guys got any other more thoughts before we keep going? Um, you know, 
I'm going to be a little bit biased and say I think Detroit has done a good job addressing some of the concerns we've had. You know, we ended up getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Eagles, which, you know, a little bit of controversy behind that because, you know, Eagles fans, I'm going to just say they're they a little bit of a spoiled fan base, but I get it. <laughs> they just went to a Super Bowl and lost. But, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he just wasn't happy with the money that Philadelphia was offering him. So, you know, he came into Detroit. Now, granted, he probably didn't get as much as he would have hoped for, but I think you're you're going to a team who has been on a come-up I think Detroit has just done a good job in free agency and just addressing positions of need. Now, I'm a little disappointed we weren't able to re-sign DJ Chark, but, you know, I'm not really too concerned. Like, Amara say Brown, he has been proving that he can be that true number one wide receiver for us. So, I'm not really too worried, but also Detroit also has the draft coming up. If they manage to even do half of what they did in the 22 draft, I consider that another successful draft class. Now, I've been hearing rumors that there may be a chance we may try to move up from pick six to possibly get Will Anderson Jr. I would love to add him to the Lions defense. I think he would be a pivotal playmaker. Now, don't get me wrong. We have James Houston who had eight sacks his rookie season, but Will Anderson, it's no way I could pass up on him, bro. You know, I can just have James Houston come as a role player while Anderson and Hutchinson are going after the quarterback every play. And then there's a small rumor we may go after Anthony Richardson. Now, I'm I'm kind of uh, on that decision, but I'm not completely disagreeing because, you know, Jared Goff, he played good football last year, but I would like to see us draft a quarterback that we can at least sit out in hopes of the future while Goff still has the keys to run this vehicle. So, that's pretty much my thoughts so far. What about you, Staff? Any other more thoughts you got for free agency stuff? Um, just the thought of, you know, Lamar going to the um, Colts and everything. You know, it could be a surprise to where he ended up there, you know. Because with the um, with, with the Colts having the fourth pick in this year's draft, the, the latest mock draft has Anthony Richardson going there. And so, you know, just for – just for that, you know, if they were to draft him and then, you know, surprisingly get Lamar, you know, we could see a whole, you know, different different team in yeah. a big way. You know a whole different mean? team for sure, way, I think. You know? I mean, it's like one more thing. I mean, I got when Ayers kind of said it with this. I mean, most likely the the Aaron Rodgers thing is going to work out with the Jets. I think so because really all the, all the really the Jets really need is they want to trade compensation for him. That's really all they're waiting for. And obviously, I don't know what the Jets are figuring out, what they're trying to put out there. Who knows what they're doing because they're the Jets. That's why they need some help. Um, but, you know, I think for Lamar, I think Lamar is going to probably either go, I think the Colts, the Falcons are a great option. There are a lot of other great teams. So, I mean, we can keep going on and on. I love Lamar Jackson. But we're going to get to our one-minute takes, everybody. And listen, our one-minute takes, again, is our staple. We try to get to. We're going to clarify so people understand we have to be cl- at close to a minute. Does that be how fast you get there? We're going to try to get to a close to a minute. And, man, I mean, who wants to start it off? Who wants to go? You want Stephanie? You want to go? I think I guess you. All right. Uh, we're all pointing. You have no one see what we're doing. We're all pointing in all different directions. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna. I guess I'll go just to get it started, and then we'll go to we'll go to Staffney, and then we'll go to Ayers at the end. Does that all sound good? Let's get all perfect, because you know we all gotta get everyone situated. I'm gonna start off. So one, my one minute take starts now, and so my one minute take. Looking at, it, I think looking at it, the team that's gonna make another run going into. I'm getting even NFL predictions, right? I look at it, the Chiefs and the Bengals. Who are these two teams gonna be, right? The Bengals right now, they lost a lot of people 
in free agency. They lost, obviously, Jesse Bates. They lost, um, let's see, uh, Hayden Hurst and a couple other people too, right? The Chiefs, they lost a couple people too. Orlando Brown Jr., which the Bengals actually took from them. So, you know, that's obviously big to watch. I think these two teams, again, they're competing with each other to try to go to the championship game. Now, granted, the Bills could be that other team that finds a way to sneak in. We don't know. Josh Allen's got to find a way to step up, right? But I think these, the Bengals right now, if they can find a way to still get some help, and I think getting Jermaine Pratt is huge for the Bengals, re-signing him. The Bengals might have a shot, boys. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Bengals fan. They got a real shot. The Chiefs got a shot, too. Bills got a shot. So I think I was close to a minute. I don't know. Did anyone keep track of time? Maybe. No, <laughs> maybe maybe I was close to a bit. It's funny is that we always say we do one minute takes, but we always got to try to keep track of it. So, you know what? Maybe since I didn't keep track of mine, I'm going to keep track of Stephanie's coming up now. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, man, I'm going to get you started here on the clock just once I get you all set up here. And, hey, you ready? The time, the stopwatch, your one minute take starts now. <clears throat> I'm going to talk on uh, Auburn football. Um, they, we just picked up Hugh Freeze as the head coach a couple months ago. And, um, you know, just the presence that, that he's made since he's been here. You know, he's bringing a ton of recruits, have had one of the best um, transfer portal, like recruiting classes. And, um, you know, just for, like, the 2024 class, the amount, you know, we, we uh, had a four-star out of Andalusia, Alabama, to commit. And, um, you know, just, like, the presence in there and just, like, the difference in, like, you know, some of the players, I can tell that they feel the difference and, you know, just like last season, just like the offensive wasn't there, you know, we, we had to run the ball like every play pretty much. And, um, you know, we finally got receivers now and, you know, he can just um, work on, you know, work with the quarterback because, you know, he coached um, Malik Willis at Liberty and, you know, look what he turned into. He was at Auburn before he transferred there. And, um, you know, I feel like he can, you know, make Robbie Ashford not, not the same quarterback as Malik Willis, but, you know, try to make him like as close as he can to him, you know. Just a little over, a minute four on the clock, so just a little bit over on the time. But, hey, still pretty good job there by Stephanie overall. And, listen, I like Auburn as a team to watch over college football. We even college football still has got ways to go for four football starts. But Auburn, again, getting a new coach is huge, right? I mean, we always got to see that. I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch who is that dominant team going to be in college football this season. We don't know with Alabama losing Bryce Young, with Ohio State losing C.J. Stroud. Who knows? Maybe it's Auburn. Who knows? <laughs> we got ways to go, but – Ayers, man, we're going to get to you now and your one-minute take. Your take starts now. Okay, so I know not too many people have been talking about them, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, that's the team in the AFC South I'm low-key kind of scared of, man, because Trevor Lawrence, he made a huge step from where he was his rookie year. You've seen how the mistreatment with Urban Meyer went, but this year he just he made that correct step, like, he won a game where he threw what four interceptions. Like you gotta, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Trevor. That was he's, the Chargers game. Yeah, yeah, he's like finally living to you know that number one quarterback in the next twenty years prospect type hype that was put around him coming out of high school. So you know, he, he's a threat. You know, he has Travis Etienne as a running back. I think no one really expected him to go off last year, but you know, he finally lived to that first round pick status. And then you also have to remember that Calvin really is now reinstated. So he has a legitimate number one wide receiver threat. Watch out for the Jags. They should be on the rise this upcoming year. A minute and 31. Look at that. It was, oh, he was a little faster than me. I got, <laughs> I had my watch at a minute. 
<laughs> you can see we're all excited, obviously, oh, with yeah. our one minute takes. Oh, yeah. So yeah, guess what? I don't even I, I couldn't even track my time. So Ayers wins the one minute take this week. Give it up for Ayers, man. <laughs> Wonderful job. Um, winning the one minute takes. It's a good thing with <laughs> James. We'll never know what happens with that. Uh anyways, we're gonna keep going, man. I wanna not talk about MOB opening day stuff, right? Again, that's gonna start here on Thursday coming up here. So obviously the be the last day of spring training is now. Um, looking at some of the matchups here for opening day for um, pitchers coming up, the Baltimore Orioles are going to play the Boston Red Sox as Kyle Gibson is going to play against Corey Kluber. That's an interesting match. Corey Kluber used to play for um, the Guardians now. Used to be obviously the Indians, but now the Guardians. Uh, you know, and I think Corey Kluber was a great pitcher. He knew how to throw the slider inside, did a great job throwing the fastball inside the zone of four-seam pitch. So I think he's going to be a great pitcher against, obviously, the Orioles, or kind of a team that's rebuilding right now for their squad. Uh, this Phillies and Rangers matchup is another intriguing one too, right? Aaron Nola versus Jacob DeGrom. That's a great pitching matchup, actually. Uh, Aaron Nola's kind of been the ace pitcher for the Phillies most of the year, and DeGrom has been all over the place. DeGrom used to play for the Mets. Now he's with the Rangers, a team that's, I actually said on crunch time before, it could have a chance to win the AL. I really do. I think the whole the team looking at the Rangers, they got a great squad coming in, a lot of great other talented hitters on their squad, and their pitching staff's getting better and better. Looking at another matchup that's very intriguing to me too, uh, I mean the World Series champs, the Houston Astros, uh, they're playing against the Chicago White Sox. I think looking at it, I think for the Astros, I mean Framer Valdez, I mean he's a great pitcher. He used to come, I believe, uh, was at the Athletics, and then now is with um, the Astros, and they're. And he's been a great pitcher for them. He kind of does a great job getting this slider pitch inside, likes to throw that kind of another type of pitch. I believe he throws a knuckleball too, which is you don't really see the knuckleball pitch that much in baseball. Uh, and again, looking at it, still pitching, starting for uh, the Angels of Shohei Otani, going to play against Kyle Muller. And again, you all know Shohei Otani in that old World Baseball Classic. That was a classic ending to that game, USA versus um, Japan. And obviously, Shohei Itani in Japan won, and he's going to be starting pitching for the Angels against the Athletics in that match. So there's a lot of great matchups for pitching-wise. And I think one team that's just, I think, going to shock me in the baseball world coming up is going to be the Padres. I mean, the Padres are just that team right now. They're getting great hitters on their squad. I mean, Manny Machado is still on the team. Fernando Atis, they just extended up his contract. That is a big boost for them. And they got another player, I believe, they just got out to a 12-year, 11-year deal as well, which for baseball, that's great to have those 12- or 11-year contracts because you don't know when the injuries are going to be because you have a long season. Those seasons they go into, they're about 166 games, I believe. That is the truth. 166 games, you have to be healthy for the entire season. And that's what's got to be for um, the Padres, who've actually played the Rockies in opening day on Thursday. So... I know usually I'm the one talking about baseball stuff, but I do know Stephanie wanted to talk about this. Uh, we have talked about this in the past with baseball, right? The pitch clock, right? So what that means is that pitchers now have to be able to throw the baseball at a certain amount of time or else they get called for that. And vice versa, the batter also gets something that as well because the batter comes in, and if he doesn't get ready in about 20 or so seconds or 30 seconds, he could be called a strike or out. So that is very intriguing to me. Stephanie, I know you want to talk about this. So what are your thoughts about this whole pitch clock and um, batter's box kind of thing as well? The great thing about the new clock is that the game will be sped up, you know, in a good way because, you know, 
I love going out to the to the ballpark to watch the games and everything, you know, just like the environment, just enjoy, you know. But the one thing is always is like, you know, the games take forever, you know, it yeah. seemed like in a way. And, um, you know, I feel like the new clock, uh, it'll, you know, help it, you know, makes, make it go faster. And I know the pitchers really don't like it because, you know, we want they want to, like, rest in between, you know, and get their, you know, make sure they're good and everything. But, um, you know, I feel like it'll get, it'll take some getting used to, but, you know, in the, in the long run, it'll be it'll be good and everything. It'll like all work out to where, you know, it becoming it becomes the, the new norm and everything. Yeah, I think for real. I think the whole pitch clock is just going to change the game of baseball itself. I think hitters are going to have to find a way to get in the box quicker. Pitchers are going to have to find a way to know you can't take that much time putting the ball behind your back, doing everything else, kind of whatever you do in your wind up situation. I think that's just going to be key to watch as we go on. But I mean, that was a great baseball talk. But now, guys, we're getting into Avila Athletics, our school, right? We look at it, I mean, right now, again, it's always tough, right? Because we only got shout-out to the softball and baseball teams right now. The only team has got a playing at the moment right now for our squad. Um, looking at, though, at the records coming in, softball comes in now looking at 18 and 12. They actually played a couple of matches today, I believe, looking against Bethel. Today, they actually lost, I believe, and then they won the game before. So I think they're 19 and 13. I might be wrong. Pardon me if softball wants to get on me for the record. They can. Um, baseball, though, I do know they actually won today. I was on the call today with Cruck, actually. And, you know, it was, it was a great game. I think, actually, baseball, they did a good job. They were down 2-1, to one, but they found a way to come back. And it was off the bat of Jack Verdon. Shout out to Jack Verdon. Found a way to get a solo home run shot. And then Paxton Andrade did a great job. The uh, left fielder for the Avila Eagles. He does a great job, get a nice hit over the right field side and got a chance to take the lead for Avila. So they're right now looking at the softball team at the moment, even though I just talked about baseball. They're 5-2 and two in conference right now. Meanwhile, for the men's side, they're 7-9 in KCAC conference. So that's, again, it's still got a lot of plays to go on. But I guess, Stephanie, we'll start with you. Just kind of what do you think of the softball and baseball teams right now and their record so far? Um, you know, I feel that both teams are great. Um, you know, I feel like it's a, you know, Large step, you know, to last year's teams and everything. And uh, like like Max said, they still have a wild, you know, a bunch of games to play. Still got a long season ahead. But you know, just looking at the conference, um, you know, like rankings and everything. You know, they feel like we're going to be good and everything. You know, just going to like say take time and just finish out and just finish strong. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, some of the good teams looking at both conferences. Uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan, both softball and baseball, are both receiving votes in the NAIA, and according to the baseball team, they lost 12-2 to to Oklahoma Wesleyan in that game. So that just shows that, I mean, that's tough competition, right? But that still means they're still finding a way to compete. And I think that's what I really care about for sure. I mean, Ayers, you got any other thoughts you want to talk about? Definitely just, you know, both teams staying competitive, man. That's the reputation we're trying to establish here at Avila. Even if we're losing games, we want you to know that, hey, we're going to make you have the hardest time winning the game. So, you know, that's just a big reputation that we're trying to establish across all sports, you know. I'm a guy, I play baseball in middle, a little bit of high school. So, you know, I love just watching our schools to see, especially softball. They've been playing out of this world. Baseball, they've taken a step from where they were a year ago. And, you know, Avalon Athletics are still trying to be on the come up, man. And I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I mean, obviously we wish both the baseball and softball team luck in their coming seasons, and man, this is where we have our fun, to our fun mystery topic. Everyone's wondering, oh, what is our mystery topic this time? 
I'm going to give it to Ayers. Ayers is the one that got the idea for us. So Ayers, what are we going to talk about for our fun mystery topic? Okay, so <laughs> today we will be saying what states we believe have the best license plate. We're going to list the best license plates and also the worst license plate. <laughs> Eric, you want to start us off, man? I mean, you got a couple off the top of your head? Okay, so believe it or not, I kind of, I like Alabama's, and I also was a fan of Kansas. Just because, you know, I'm a guy, you know, I don't like just the bland and boring, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I want to see some color in there or no, something, you know, up. just the generic numbers. That, that puts me to sleep, man. But, you know, I'm trying to think of the worst one. One of the worst ones I believe I saw was like, First, like, okay, for Michigan, I, we got, like, two main license plates, but the one on my car, I know I hate it because it's boring. But the one that has, like, <laughs> the Michigan, you know, the Michigan mitten on it, I am a fan of that one. But, like, I think ours is relatively boring, and then it's one more I'm thinking of. But you could come back to me. But those are, like, best for me is Alabama, Kansas, and worst, Michigan is one of them, but it's not the Bare bottom. I will state to you in a second what the bare bottom is once <laughs> I review them. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, we look at some of the ones that are colorful. I mean, New Mexico is an interesting one. I think New Mexico, I like the one that it's – now, what I mean by New Mexico is the one that's kind of like a turquoise, kind of yellowish color. I mean, those are the color ones we like, right? I mean, people say, oh, turquoise might not be your favorite color. Well, it's something that stands out, right? Yeah. I mean, something that stands out and it's something you can look at. Um, I think also another one that looks interesting to me is, uh, let's see, Nevada looks interesting. I'm going to say Nevada. Nevada's an interesting one. They got like a color one. It's like a blue license plate that looks kind of coolish. I think that's very cool with the style of cars that you have. Um, I mean, I think another one, I mean, that I like, I mean, the Ohio license plates, some of them are not bad. I think, you know, the one that I have on my car is like a, like a mixture of like the sun outside of like some like a, there's a farm area and then the sun's like looking over it kind of thing so basically showing that what ohio is i think that's another interesting one to look at i think uh, i mean there's a lot you can go over <laughs> i mean it's a fun topic man there's a lot is a lot of good license plates out there i mean i'll get into my worst ones here in a minute but uh what about you staff and give me it's like your top three ones that you like for license plates you know i'm gonna choose alabama because that's that's where i'm from and um i like the florida one as well because of the oranges it sticks out, you know, in so many ways with the green as well. And my third favorite that I could say is probably Indiana. 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 Okay. <laughs> Actually, one that I just looked at, literally. You could say Florida's not a bad one either, right? right? Florida's got an interesting one with the one that's uh, with the Florida state on it, and it has, like, I believe the, yeah, uh, the, oranges. the oranges on the oranges there. Yeah, the, the oranges center. on there. Yeah. That one's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see. Arizona is a cool one, too. I like Arizona's a lot. The one, what I mean by that is the one that's um, got, like, the cactus on it one, and it has, like, the blue area as well. I think that's very interesting as well. But that's our best one, so now we're getting into our worst ones, our worst three. So, Ayers, we start with you, man. Okay, first, Louisiana suck and Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just they so bland and boring. It's just like you got the state name at the top, then the letters. It's nothing to stand out about. I'm just white and boring, bro. Like, I don't know how, like, you know, no disrespect. Max is like, Ohio's barely beating it for at least the one that's on here, bro. But y'all at least got red at the top, bro. But it's like. All right. I mean, I don't know which one you look at. Which one? The red one. Oh, that one. Okay, I know what you're yeah. talking about. And then also. Virginia, like, 
did y'all just wake up and was like, you know, I really hate license plate. Yeah, I'm going like to just I, do I, one I, just to get it out the way. It's all right. It's all right. Um, I mean, listen, I mean, some Ohio license plates, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like that much either, for sure. I mean, I mean, listen, me and Eric just went down to that state in Texas. I mean, the white license plate, I mean, come on, man. That's just, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's very bland, like Eric was talking about, just the white, bland kind of background, it kind of doesn't really stand out that much, uh, for sure. I mean, God, there's a, I mean, you, I don't know, I don't like... Uh, Washington's for some reason. I don't know. It's just, it just looks very, I mean, it has like a little landscape thing, but it's just like another basic kind of one. It just doesn't look like something that will pop out to me. Granted, it has the picture of Mount Rainier, which is a mountain in uh, Washington, but I mean, come on. I mean, you could maybe put like the Space Needle in there. That's big in, that's big in Washington, right? You have other things, maybe put like some wildlife out there. I mean, that'd be cool, right? I mean, that's something you would be intrigued by. Then one more uh, for me. Oh my! I mean, there's there's a lot you could go with. Uh, Nebraska's yeah, I'll give Nebraska the say to no because Nebraska looks kind of bland to me too. Get just a little white one. It has like a dark blue, uh, yellow one that we're talking about. It just doesn't you know doesn't really look that intriguing to me. So just kind of a basic one. So uh, what do we got, Stephanie? Man, you're the last one up. What is your least favorite license plates uh, from the U.S.? My least favorites are uh, New York is at the top because the you know the bland gold like it's just gold no nothing don't nothing stick out about it no nothing you know? stick out nothing yeah. sticks out it's just there you know mm -hmm. and my second is Delaware you know it says the first state at the top and it's like just bland like a blue color with yellow like numbers and everything then it says the first state and then it got the state name on it like you know they can add some more details i know delaware is known for just more <laughs> for you know more than just yeah, being the first that, state that you true. know and everything and um like i said that's that that's my least favorites all right hey i mean listen we had some fun favorite topics we had our favorite <laughs> license plates and then our least favorite license plates listen Apparently, we all tried to stick up for our states, it looks like. You sticked up for Alabama. I sticked up for Ohio. Did you stick up for Michigan, Ash? Not really. Uh, <laughs> like, bro, the only one that's kind of okay is, like, the mid and even then that's blind. Like, the one that's on mine currently, like, if you look at the Michigan one, that's literally one I have yeah. on my car. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Like, come on, bro. Like, we the Great Lakes state, bro, and it's just, like, <laughs> we have nothing that is showing representation on the main place. Right. You have to get, like, a custom plate to even get the mitten. So, Michigan. <laughs> well man bro listen that was our fun mystery topic and man that will wrap up our show man for episode number five we had a lot of topics man we started with march madness nfl and then we had our other great topics as well and again appreciate everything boys and listen we always do this show every tuesday night at six o'clock and again this will always be posted the same night usually so again most people will try to get this out to social media everything else as soon as we can this will be available both on spotify and apple podcast right now at the moment so please tune in and guess what we're getting more and more viewers trying to listen to our show everywhere whether it's from i can mention all across you know what i'm saying and that's awesome to see and we want to keep growing growing this podcast as we go i mean we want to get big time guests on this podcast soon me and Ayers have talked about this and you know i think it'll be very cool just to help bring us up there in the rankings but that will do it here for episode five again i'm max this is Ayers. this is my man stephanie Peace out.